So when I was younger, I used to, I used to, when I talked and I, I talked to police, I didn't, we had, I always used my hands and I throw my hands around and whatnot. Well, some people might think that's um, aggressive posture, but for me growing up, I already know a lot of individuals from my area talk with their hands and yell with their hands. So for me, that's not an aggressive posture. So those are the type of trainings that, we go through and we learn, but that's not a lot that we can, we have to put individual police officers in locations with officers already been in there that can, that, so they can see it for themselves and understand, okay, that's not an aggressive posture. Hey guys, I'm Ashley Don Rivard and you are now Into the Dawn, a provocative podcast that looks at all things taboo, such as suicide, grief, sex, addictions, and more. Each week, I talk with experts who successfully investigate their areas of interest. And if you like what you hear, please remember to subscribe. Detective Gerald G. Pryor has been a federal police officer for 15 years and is currently a detective lieutenant in Los Angeles, California. Well, hello, JP. Thank you so much for... Uh, taking some time to talk to me. I really want to, um, you know, hear from you being a police officer. What is it like right now, especially being a black man in the police department? Like what has your experience been like with everything? My experience has been like just seeing both sides of the spectrum when it comes to coming from the background of out of South Central Los Angeles, being a black individual, dealing with police officers as being black to current now I'm on the other side as a law enforcement officer and understanding the things that officers have to go through to conduct their job. And at this time of the situations that's going right now, it's just understanding both sides and being able to understand. Um, As a black man in law enforcement, it's, you get the understanding of as police officers as trying to be proactive, there's certain things that we have to do, which civilians um, do not understand. And as being in policing, you have to be proactive, proactive because you want to prevent crime from happening and not always have to react to the crime that's occurring. I guess like if you weren't a police officer right now in the law enforcement, would you be, it sounds like you have um like obviously you said two understandings, right? Being black and then being in law enforcement. Are you as angry? What's taking place? Do you agree with that? Disagree with that? What are your thoughts on everything? So from my experience, if I wasn't a police officer and from seeing everything that's been occurring from a lot of African-Americans, I don't want to say killed, but been basically murdered by police officers with excessive force, I would also be out there doing what all the other civilians are doing, protesting, voting, because that's how I would want to be heard. But as being a police officer, I understand, again, going back to us, I understand some of the things we as police officers have to do, but we as police officers have to understand to take that situation at the totality of that circumstance at that time to understand not to go further than what our training uh, teaches us. And when it become excessive, that's when it turns bad for police officers. And we as police officers have to understand when we're conducting, when we do our training, what we learn from training, we have to bring that to the street. 
and when I say when if I was not on the police side of the law, because the media shows so much of the negative that goes on with police officers, and it's always a white police officer to a black individual, then that's all I would see. So I would react to like, well, police officers are just killing black people, are hurting black people, are using excessive force to black people. But they don't show the other side of the spectrum of we also make we also deal with the same thing where we as police officers deal with white individuals, Asian individuals, Mexican individuals. And it just seemed like the media shows only the white officer to the black individual because to me, for me, it's, it shows that it gives them more airtime. That's what the more ratings and the push out ratings instead of really pushing out the whole story. Are white people, Asian, Hispanic, are they being targeted as much as black people? So not actually been as much targeted as um, the black person. I won't say that it's, a t- it's us black people are being targeted. I think a lot of police officers are fear black people. Um, it's because when you, when you see what people see, we live in social media and on television. So when you see on social media and television, you see a lot of black crime, black on black crime, Black people um, killing each other, Black people um, in game banging and stuff like that. You see a lot of that. So when officers deal with the African-American or Black person, when they approach him, depending on the officer's background and where he come from, if, say, for instance, if you had an officer from Malibu or Beverly Hills and you put that officer in South Central, that officer that was born and raised in Beverly Hills or uh, Malibu, if you put him in South Central, well, when he grew up, all he saw was what he saw on TV. He never lived that life. So when he deal with somebody in um, that uh, South Central, in that South Central, in that community, he's already in fear. He's already doing his job in a fearful manner where it's kind of like you're operating in a black where you don't see nothing else. You just focused on, okay, whatever your perception is about a black person. They're gangbangers. They, they shoot each other. They, they're, they're, they're aggressive. So when you are already operating in a situation like that, well, you're when you're scared, you're you're at a height where as an officer, you're already at a deadly force mind thought. So we as um, as police officers, we have to um, start putting officers in the right demographic of how they grew up and where they're from so they can get the understanding of that culture. I'm not saying that all black police officers have to be put in bad areas, but my point is, is like if you put in somebody in that grew up um, as an A student, haven't really got in trouble, haven't really been into nothing, and you're putting him in South Central, you have to put him with somebody that kind of grew up in that area, already has been patrolling that area for a while, so he could get the understanding of that culture and how to talk to and communicate with those people from that location. And that's vice versa. That's anywhere. It's different if you take somebody from uh, that grew up in South Central that became a police officer and you put him or her in um, in Beverly Hills or Malibu because it's the perception that we have is more as, okay, it's not too many, it's not too much aggression. It's not aggressive. You don't hear too much killing in Malibu and Beverly Hills. So we wouldn't know how to react to that because they, they, that, that location is not as a high crime location where we came from coming from South Central. 
is this a issue of the police academy? Like, what's the training like? The psychology of a person, is it examined through training? Why is this happening? I think it's with the hiring process. The hiring process is when they when we hire police officers, they're looking for police police officers. They're looking for a great personnel. But you have to also hire people with C or B great personnel that's trying to make a change in their life. And don't let that, don't let that not give them the opportunity to become a police officer. A background that's where they really haven't been in um haven't been in bad situations or situations where they really had to think and make uh, quick decisions. Again, growing up in South Central or growing up in 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 in, in the area with game bangers and things around you, you have to make quick decisions. You see a car rolling down the street. Is this a car that's going to shoot, start shooting? Is it going to do a drive-by? You have to make quick decisions if you're going to run, you're going to stay, you're going to move. Things like that. When you grew up, when you talk, when I talk about an A grace uh, person, person, they never really had to make quick decisions, or make. I won't say never, but they haven't had to make quick decisions that's out of their norm. When I say you have to, that we have to start hiring people and stop eliminating individuals just because they smoked weed for a couple of years, or just because they 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 was with hanging with some game bangers and got caught up, but they wasn't affiliated. They just got caught up in the in in wrong place at the wrong time. And those are things when when a psyche valve happens or you, you go through your polygraph and those things come up. And those are certain things that um they um the system will weed you out. I, I applied for LAPD before and they didn't hire me because I couldn't tell them how many times exactly how I smoked marijuana in my life between the ages of 11 and 13. Well, I'm at the age of, I think I was at the age of 28 at the time. And why would I remember exactly how many times exactly? It just didn't make sense. So they didn't, um, they didn't hire me, but not, if you looked at my background at the age of 28, I was a person that went to school. I graduated with uh, 3.5 and above. I uh, graduated college. I had a degree in criminal justice. I went. I got hired into a uh, to a, a great department with a top secret clearance. I had all that under my belt, but they still didn't hire me, and they they kicked me out because I couldn't tell them how many times I smoked weed in my life between the ages I gave them, and that's what I mean. We, as um, as the police department, we have to stop kicking out individuals, and not just black individuals, but individuals that grow up from these these hardcore areas and finally getting out, and you're 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 not giving them chances because you're kicking out because maybe how they was affiliated with some type of gang or how they um then did smoked weed or how they then stole somewhere they were young. It happens when you grow up in the area like the South Central or a hardcore area because of the it's just the the community you grew up in and it's the struggles that you that you have and talking about myself that I had growing up to get out, you know, and people could change. So this is we have to worry about our hiring with the training. Our training is immaculate. 
the training we as police as a police department we can't have everyday training because the financial status of funding for police officers just don't equip for us to have that much training so the training we do get from when we go to training and we graduate and then a quarterly training or monthly training that we have the training is immaculate and it it works we just have certain people that again already operating in in the avenue of black meaning that they're already scared when they approach an african-american when they approach a game maker when they approach up from maybe an ms-13 game they're already operating in in that as a scared tactic and when you're scared it's all about survival so you don't think about the other solutions to dim down or bring down the uh, individual that might be yelling at you are operating in a in a resistive manner. Right. So is it then is the solution or one of the solutions, like you said, you're not getting um, they don't have the funding to have as much training as you like. And now the talk of defunding the police department. Is that going to help this solution of what's going on? No, um, I think if they defund, when they start defunding the, the police department, a lot of officers are not going to um, respond or do the job that they supposed to do. Um, and I'm not saying this all officers, but I'm just saying a lot of them are not going to respond and do the job at the heightened level that we're supposed to. Because what's going what's what's going on is happening that us as officers we receive a call and we put in our lives in jeopardy to conduct a job but and we don't get no return for it not saying we have to be paid out of this world but i mean we we're it's it's not equivalent because we as police officers anytime we uh we're guilty to proving innocent as police officers we're not like other civilians where you're innocent to proven guilty. We're guilty to proven innocence. So when we when we um, have like the on duty shooting or force that we have to take somebody into custody, we're um, criticized and we're we're judged in a way that nobody else is really judged. But we are judged. That right there is just have officers have, will have officers mindset was like, is it worth it? Is it worth losing my job? Is it worth losing my family and everything that I, I worked hard for on a, on a small call? And when I say a small call, it's not really a small call because all calls on uh, police help are different. But when you talk about like if you go to a domestic violence call, a domestic violence call, you can go where you're. You're trying to separate a husband from a wife or a wife from a husband. And when you're separating that husband or that wife, the other individual could turn on you. And so now you're in a messed up situation where you will have to use force. And when you defund the police, police are going to think, is it worth for me responding to that call? And I'm not saying it's all police officers, but it's, it's going to hurt because it's not worth it. That's like when we talk about teachers. Teachers, they don't, to me, don't get paid enough for what they have to deal with. And when they deal with a disgruntled student and they try to calm or dim that student down, well, the, the student is, um, the teacher is criticized when they put their hands on them to try to calm them down or escort them out. But how are how else do you supposed to handle a disgruntled student? And then when you call a police officer for a disgruntled student, well, at the end of the day, as a police officer, when we get called, we cannot 
go to a call and say, okay, they're yelling, they're disgruntled and leave. We have to do our investigation and we have to make the scene safe. It Does it feel kind of like a lose-lose? It is a lose-lose situation for police officers. And it, as being a police officer, the word, uh, word I can think of off my head is sucks. And it's, it's just a catch-22. Do you feel moving forward, like, is this going to be solved? Are we going to start to see some peace around these? Or do you think this is something that we're going to be experiencing from here on out? It's, a, it's something that we're going to be experiencing here on out until we change the person. And when I say about change the person is people that we hire, we have to really do more of a, a background check and put them in situations that making split decisions and being able to communicate with different cultures. It has to be the person because this last incident, we as police officers, we not we don't wake up in the morning and say we want to go out here and kill this person or harm this person or pull our gun on somebody. But we have to respond to a call. And depending on the call and the type of call is, is how we respond. And in this last situation, that was just the police officer. That's not all police officers. Because a lot of police officers and the good police officers would have understood and paid attention to when somebody's saying you're not breathing or they're not breathing to understand and pick that up. And I don't understand where this officer, and I don't want a Monday night quarterback him, but his mind just wasn't there. It's, it's just changing the person and having people really, really, as us as police officers, even though we're dealing with the suspect, we still have to preserve their life. Everybody's life we have to preserve. Well, now we have another incident, right? I don't know the guy's name, but in Atlanta over the weekend, right? Or last... Uh, he got shot in the back. With the ta- oh, in the back with the taser. No, he he was killed. No, yeah, he got killed, but he stole. He took the officer's taser. Is that enough for somebody, an officer, to kill a man? Again, it's uh, it's not that the officer's trying to kill the individual. It's the when we pull out our weapon, it we're trained to stop the threat. So we're t- trained to stop the threat, and when when a threat is no longer. So in that situation, um, it was um, it's hard to shoot somebody in the back. Um, you, it's a lot to prove, and it's a it's a case Tennessee versus Gardner that gives you the the elements that you need to be able to, to shoot somebody in the back. It's a lot, but in that situation, I wasn't there. But just going for what um, what I seen on the news, it was this officer. They received a call saying that somebody was sleeping in the drive-through. Don't quote me on this. I'm just going by was sleeping in the in the drive in the car in the drive through so officer made contact with the individual the individual and he had the individual move to a parking lot and so then another officer came and the officer wanted to do a field sobriety test to see if the individual was under um, alcohol the officer did the test the guy um i guess is i guess i'm i'm a reckon he felt the test cuz they was about to place him under arrest so the guy said, well, I could walk home. I'll walk home. I don't even have to drive. I'm, I'm okay. And he was coherent. He understood. But the officer said, let's go arrest him for um, being um, under the influence. So um, they tried to cuff him. A fight ensued. The, um, the subject uh, got the officer's taser and, um, and took off running. And at that time in the pursuit, the officer pulled, had his taser and then pulled his service weapon. And 
So when as he was chasing the guy, the guy turned around and shot the taser at the uh, officer. And then that's when the officer, uh, uh, I guess, um, moved to the left and then shot the individual in the back twice. So um, that's all I've seen. So I don't know the whole story, so I can't talk on it. But the only thing that I can say is that a taser is when you take a taser from an officer and if you use that taser against the officer, it could um, it could hurt the officer with the officer become um, either unconscious or go fall down to the ground, making all his weapons around him uh, on him accessible to that individual, which it could turn into the individual taking the officer gun. It could tell the, it could turn into the individual uh, killing the officer. But um, when the guy turned around on uh, turned and shot the taser at the officer, he missed the officer. So it's, it's, it's a lot of things that officers have to think about in a quick second. Nothing we, nothing, when we deal with things like that, nothing we can, nothing we could think about for a minute or two minutes. It's a quick second. So that's what happened in that situation. But I just, people just need to understand a weapon when they, when people say unarmed, civilians only think that it has to be a gun. No, it could be a gun, it could be a knife, it could be a taser, it could be a stick, it could be anything. That is considered a weapon to a police officer. So what I, what I want civilians to understand and people to understand is that a weapon is not just a gun. It's a stick, it's a, uh, it's a taser, it's a knife, it's anything other than what that can be hit the hurt an officer. And that justify us from pulling, justify us to pull our, 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 our service weapon. But with anything other, other than a gun, like I was explaining, if we have distance between us, that give us a little time before we have to shoot somebody to stop the threat. If that person have a gun, we're going to uh, shoot faster because that person could shoot at us. But do you think there are a lot of racist cops then? I wouldn't say there's a whole lot of them, but I won't deny that there's some in the uh, departments. Yeah, there's some in the departments, and it's not just a uh, white with black. It's 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 a lot of, them, but the majority is white with blacks. Yeah, you know, so it's still still people out there that believe that um, black people shouldn't be police officers. And I, I came across some, no names. I will I won't say no names. I came across some. I talked to some and I talked to some in other departments that said it's 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 very uh it's very true. But it's not a lot of I'm not saying that it's it's a fast majority, but there's some. My last question is why do you think men, women, become police officers? So for me, there's it, multiple reasons. Uh it's a couple of reasons why I believe some people come become police officers in which I've seen and which uh, as me been in the police force for the 16 or 17 years I've been in the police force. Um, one, there's the, it, some, some police officers were picked on in high school, picked on the high school was bullied in high school. So now that they have a badge, they're returning the favor. You have some officers that really want to change the system and to build the civilians and the police community back as one where people trust in the police and then you have some that just that got hired in um that didn't know what they wanted to do graduated then just became a police officer and then as being a police officer they determined yeah they like it or they determined i'm just 
I'm just here as a police officer. So those are the kind of the three that I've seen. Me, what made me become a police officer, like I said, growing up, I was um I was a I'm gonna say I will say I was actually picked on a lot from police officers. Um and it was just my demeanor and and where I came from. But I was very respectful and um but they used to stop me a lot. So my whole thing was trying to become a pol I wanted to become a police officer to change the perspective of um people that come from um bad areas are are hard areas they change the perspective that it's a lot of good people in these areas it's just where they grew up or it's just where they're born we're not we can't pick and choose where we were born or where we grew up but there's a lot of people that want to change the areas of like the hearts of south central are the hearts of Baltimore, Chicago, and places like that. So um, that's why I became a police officer to to help make that change and build the relationship with um, my community growing up with police officers. Because growing up, we had no faith in police officers. I mean, do you now though? I mean, with all of this, like, are, do you get like bump? Obviously, like when you see that stuff happening. If you weren't a police officer, would you watch this and go, racist, police officers are terrible? I think you said in the beginning, you would be doing what everyone else is doing. Yes, I would, because that's all they show. But they don't show the good things that officers do. And it's a lot of good things that officers do out there. It's just a couple that I've seen, like officers um, responded to a call at um, a Walmart individual was stealing uh, something and they want the Walmart people wanted him arrested and the officer said no it's not that big of a crime they helped them um, actually the officer purchased it for them and and just yeah. talked to the kid and, and it, it was a younger kid um, so things like that happen it's a lot of things that officers do out there and that I've seen that just don't hit the media and it's because it's it's, it's not what people want to see it don't give ratings so what give ratings is when you see the negative things that officers do, you know, uh, and it, it's just sad. And it's like the one case that I see where um, I guess uh, Starbucks or something was didn't want to serve the officers because all the stuff that was going on. And it just sucks because you clap, you clapping all officers in the same category. And there's really good officers out there that want to make the world a better place and make uh yeah and built that, that policing in a community. Yeah. Oh man. Well, my heart goes out to you and, uh, what you do. I, I, you know, I appreciate your perspective completely. I, I like that, you know, you could see both sides and, um, thank you. Just thank you for sharing and thank you for doing what you do. Oh yeah. Thank you for having me on and appreciate it. I, uh, put my little two cents out there and hopefully um, make some changes. But the best thing um, as a police officer to do is spit knowledge and talk to people and get them to understand why police have to do the things that they do, but it's not always right. But please don't slap all police officers in the same category as if as a police officer, you want them to slap black people all in the same category. Let's take that individual for what they did and, and let's push on. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much, JP. Ah, you're welcome. I appreciate you having me on. That's it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. 
please let me know what you think. Leave a comment, share, and we'll be back next week with a new episode.